It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. show love it love tuning in every week um also the psycho gorman ad as much as you guys talk about hating jump scares it scares the hell out of me every time just food for thought um my question this week is what are your guys's favorite horror movies that were filmed in your home state um i noticed that hereditary was filmed in utah at the cemetery the scene at the cemetery was right down the street from my house and i thought that was really interesting that's also one of my favorite horror movies so yeah what's your favorite horror movie from your state thanks again bye thanks chris uh it's nice to hear callers again and it's actually a pretty cool question and super simple so i can probably kick it off since <laughs> i'm a little bit limited well minnesota does have a few movies that were set here like fargo or Grumpy Old Man, Jingle All the Way, Mighty Ducks, stuff like that. Pretty absent of horror. So really the only call for me is Jennifer's Body. Nice. Nice, yeah. It's set in Devil's Kettle, Minnesota, which yeah. is not a real place. No. Um, oh, but oh it's God. just north of the real town of Grand Marais, Minnesota. And there actually is a Devil's Kettle that I've been to and wrote a book about. But I'm not going to get into that because that involves something I wrote and I don't want to talk about that. Oh. But okay. yes. That is the limit. The kettle is real. Devil's Kettle City it is not. And I sincerely apologize to any indie filmmakers out there who might have filmed stuff here that I've just never heard of. That's but fair. Jennifer's Body's the only one I know of. Well, How about you guys? Uh, that's you, a good one. Florida and Texas. Few more options. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to Megan. What do you got? Uh, Besides obvious. the obvious. I have to say <laughs> the obvious because we're very proud of that movie. Uh, I guess really the oh. whole whole franchise pretty much but yeah we we love texas chainsaw massacre so much so that toby hooper's got a special catalog in the university of houston that you can go visit like the wow. collection of his stuff um the what? house the original house i think they shot it at, at round rock but that's no longer there it got moved and revamped into a diner in kingsland texas where you can eat there uh, you can go upstairs and, and see some memorabilia or the bar and buy some Texas Chainsaw Massacre themed merch. Um, and then in Bastrop, Texas, you can go to the gas station, which is a barbecue joint slash you can stay there in cabins. The whole they've got a whole themed uh, merch shop. Uh, yeah. So we love Texas Chainsaw. We we, we embrace it fully in, in our state. And then. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is a Austin, Texas boy, so pretty much anything that he's done, uh, Grindhouse, both movies, 
Death Proof and Planet Terror and The Faculty. So, yeah, he used the Texas School for the Deaf, which is the high school in the movie. So Dusk Till Dawn. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Mexico? But yeah. um, They weren't. Oh, yeah. I guess they just crossed, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, a big chunk of of the movie is. But yeah, for sure. The first part. Zena, how about you? Besides besides whatever is involved in current events, what horror is involved (laughs) in Florida? Well, you know what? I took Chris's question home state so i just live in florida so my my home state is is new york so i'm going to say of course i have to say the amityville horror because you know that's like real life horror okay (laughs) and then um i really love uh the sentinel from 1977 that's just such a great movie and uh cat people from 1942 also um zombie Zombie from 1979, you know, that that's an awesome one. But if I did have to pick some Florida ones, you know, because I live here, um, I don't know why I was making my face like that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> nobody could see your face. You I just know, outed your but eyes. Could see. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I had a muffin before we started. It was blueberry. Okay. Uh-oh. But no, <laughs> I'm going to say. I bet um, to the list. You know, those muffins, those blueberry muffins, they're out of control. Um, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead is, is such an awesome movie. I really love it. I was able to check out some of the filming locations. And then Death Dream. I don't live too mm. far from Brooksville where they filmed it. It's like this really, I, I don't think it's intentionally trying to be creepy, but it's just pretty creepy downtown, like for no reason, even during the day. For no reason. It just is. <laughs> just is. Oh that, oh, that actually made me think of one more for Minnesota. And oh. it's only a little bit, but uh, the house is October built too. Same then. I could claim that one as well. <laughs> well, the first one. The first one. Sure. Anoka, Anoka, Minnesota is for some reason called the Halloween capital of the world. Mm. I've been there on Halloween. I, I mean, I only live like 20 minutes away. Been to Anoka plenty of times. Not sure why it's called that, but it How? is that. And it's, Do they it, go it, all it's out or something? Kind of. Like, Cause... it's nothing major. I mean, it's kind of... I mean, if you went around, if you went through Anoka around Halloween, it's kind of like their version of Christmas. Okay. Like, so there is plenty of decoration and stuff, but it's not, not to the point where it seems like, the oh, capital. this is clearly, mm-hmm. yeah, it's especially Anoka. Like there's plenty of horrifying things that have happened in Anoka that don't involve Halloween. But I, I, I just remember being super bummed out when I watched Houses October Built 2 and I'm like, I live right by here. Ah, oh, crap. I could have been in the movie. Because they did, like, the zombie zombie crawl downtown when Kobayashi did, like, the brain tacos and everything. And I was like, cool. all right. I mean, we in Minnesota cling on to very small references in pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> okay, call number two. Hi, it's Regina from the Twin Cities again. Um, Megan has mentioned her love of aquatic horror multiple times now. And I'm really only familiar with the big ones, like Jaws or The Creature from the Black Lagoon. So I was wondering what were your favorites and if you could throw in some recommendations for the lesser known ones. Thanks. Thanks, Regina. Uh, I'm just going to immediately hand this one over to Megan because she'll probably name all the ones that I'm going to think of anyway. So, Megan, go. I may not. Okay. But for the bigger ones, Leviathan, Deep Rising, Underwater, The Shallows, Crawl, those are the more well-known titles. Uh, mm-hmm. Bait is a favorite, I think, could use more love. It sounds hokey, you know, sharks in a grocery store, but it's really fun. 
Uh, Deep Blue Sea 3. I'm sure everybody knows Deep Blue Sea, but Deep Blue Sea 3 is a lot more fun than you would expect, especially coming off of 2, which was not so great. Piranha 3D. I love Piranha 3D. Um, Below, now I'm going expanding a little bit, but below is a haunted house submarine story. Triangle, which is a slasher at sea. Harpoon, a mean little thriller at Mm -hmm. sea. Uh, Sea Fever is a recent one that I think that uh, a lot of people really loved. Uh, Stuart Gordon's Dagon. Sea Fever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you talked about that one recently, didn't you? I did, yeah, Yeah. just a a couple months ago. So uh, Stuart Gordon's Dagon, uh, if you like some Lovecraftian madness. Uh, She Creature, because I am an absolute sucker for some killer mermaids, and that one was produced by Mm -hmm. Stan Winston, so it's got some great mermaid creature effects. Uh, 1993's Dark Waters, which is very kind of dream logic like. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense as a whole, but it's really it has some really great horror imagery. So yeah, that was kind of like a rough there you go, starter kit. I'm sure you've got some. <laughs> I only had two that weren't on that list. How about you, Zena? Um, Megan, wow, she's like the queen. <laughs> you know, I she she did mention a couple, but Triangle. I, I really, really love Triangle a lot in Harpoon. And yeah. Dagon, Dagon, Dagon. And then um, I'm going to say maybe this is kind of like cheating, um, but no. I really like Zombieverse. Like Zombieverse? It's kind of, it's, it has water, you know? Yeah, it's like a smaller, <laughs> we, we appreciate the smaller ponds. Yeah, so that I, I think that that one's fun. I, I love how, you know, uh, Bill Burr, he makes an appearance very briefly. And um, Virus uh, from the late 90s. I, it's a weird little Oh, virus. Movie. I forgot about that It's one. a little weird, but I, I like it. <laughs> I don't mind it. I mean, it's hokey, but it's it's hokey in a fun, big budget yeah. sort of way. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. And um, would Ghost Ship count? And I know, like, everybody just hates it after the first scene. No, I think that would totally count. If I'm throwing out, you know, Below and Triangle, mm-hmm. Ghost Ship, out, yes, that counts. Okay. But I mean, yeah, there's a I lot of underwater it. scenes in Ghost Ship. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I had to mention it because I really love Emily Browning. I just think that she's just so fabulous. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, John. I I had a little bit of a stretch saying The Abyss. Not sure if you'd consider it it horror. I think a lot of people tend to just embrace it, especially because it's right around the 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 huge 1989 year of aquatic horror. And, and I mean, let's face it, like anything where they're just swimming underwater, like it's just claustrophobic. Like that's just, there, there's yeah. some terrifying stuff. Michael Bean is pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> so that counts. Yeah. Um, and then one, I, I, I have to stick with who I am. There is a phone footage. Uh, the Bay. Is, yeah. It's water oh, yeah. base. I thought about that. So I go it, back and forth with that one because it is the Bay and it is critters like, sea critters but they're on land but yeah the bay is uh i mean it's tangential it's basically it's jaws but a found footage well it's a seaside town where horse horror horrific things occur like body horror exists yeah. very very much the same or a similar um plot synopsis to jaws in a lot of ways um so yeah i, I will say i think that's a as a total nerdy offside, I took marine science when I was in high school. And because I live real close to the Gulf, we had to go out to 
the water and actually catch fish to keep in a tank. It was like part of a project. And almost all of our fish died because those little isopods, they, they're parasitic and they like eat their way up through the fish and they like cling on to their tongue. So the tongue yeah. eventually gets cut off and and they become Ooh. sort of the tongue. And as the fish yeah. eats, they eat all the nutrients and then eventually the fish Whoa. dies. So basically all of our fish died because of those little fuckers. And this was before the bay <laughs> came out. Terrifying on so many levels. Just <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Also, we don't have time to get into it, but we're going to start working on a nickname for Megan. Yes. got to be organic. I, I, have a, I have a couple I in, in mind, you know. You, you can't so, just yeah. make we'll, it up we'll on the there. spot. It's got to no, be an no, organic I, I thing. I think it's very fitting. So <laughs> we've seen Zena throw out some crazy nicknames <laughs> on a whim for for John before. So we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll 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 get there. We'll yeah. find it. Yeah, and it'll happen, and we'll that'll just be the way it is. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world, and to discuss the disgusting, you know, her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic, and journalist without a nickname, Megan Navarro. Oh, hey, Megan. Hello. You know her from her YouTube channel, website, Real Queen of Horror, and for her infinite love for the genre, the woman who Megan will one day refer to as a foxy lady, Zena Dixon. <laughs> hey, Zena. Hey, everybody. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile, too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? So I decided to rewatch Skeleton Key on Amazon from 2005. The last time I watched this movie, it was in 2005. So it's been a very <laughs> long time. And I don't think, um, just thinking back on it, I'm not too sure if I was actually like a fan of it. You know, I, I don't think I mind it, but I wasn't like crazy about it. So uh, this one is about a hospice nurse. Uh, she's working at this spooky New Orleans plantation. And she finds herself entangled in a mystery involving, like, the house dark past. Um, it just has such a spooky atmosphere. And I love the fact that it's like a haunted house movie, but you see, like, traditional voodoo type of stuff, you know, in it. Um, and, like, around the time, I think, when this came out, uh, because I mentioned it's been a while since I, I rewatched it, I think I was kind of burnt out on, you know, movies trying to kind of be like The Sixth Sense with that major twist. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think I just got so exhausted, you know, where it's just like, you know, whatever. That's just kind of how I felt when I first watched it. I didn't really think about it. So, you know, it's been obviously some years and, um, you know, I, I really liked it. I didn't think that it was a predictable ending. I didn't see it coming, even though I knew it was going to happen. But you know what I mean? I didn't see it. like Knowing didn't coming. ruin the experience right, for you. Right, right. Okay. And it was like, you know, I went in with a, you know, fresh pair of eyes and, Honestly, when I think about it, there's a lot of creepy things about about the movie. Like this is one particular line that like freaked me out. Um, where basically Caroline, so-called Caroline, um, she pretty much says, like, oh, they just don't believe like they used to. And it's just like, oh my God. So I why it freaks me out <laughs> is because, you know, a lot of um Caribbean people or even like New Orleans and, you know, like Southern, like that Southern type of Gothic, like they believe, truly believe in voodoo. And I know with my dad, he's Jamaican and it's just kind of like, yeah, they really, really believe in that. Even though over there it's not called uh, voodoo, it's called obia, but still, you know, it's, it's like a real life thing that people believe in. So it's just like, you know, I, I I don't need that kind of negativity in my life, you know? So I, I never really wanted to explore that type of stuff. But 
point is, um, it really is a an awesome movie, and I think that it still holds up to this day. Um, the the music in it is really cool. It, it sounds very Creole. It has like a rhythm and blues type of feel to it. So, yeah, um, I, I recommend checking it out if it's been a while. If uh, it has been a while for me, so I might. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I watched this back when it was brand new, and. Mm-hmm. I think I was also burned out by the twist ending. Yeah. It didn't have quite as big of a punch. But I've talked to people. I remember talking to an Uber driver once in New Orleans who was petrified by this movie. Whoa, so, I believe it. I guess I should give this a shot. There's two people yeah. in my life saying, watch it. Watch it. It's on Amazon. Um, I rented it for like $3, $3, 4 So worth it, though. I, I think I need to own it. Um, the next movie I checked out, uh, Hunt It on Shudder, uh, just came out, well, 2020. So a young woman is trapped in a game of cat and mouse after she meets a charming man at the nightclub. So this one is not your typical chase revenge type of movie. Um, you may think that you know where it's going, but it, it goes completely opposite. At least it did for me. And I feel like it it feels like it's influenced by like a children's fable. Oh, you it know, is totally Little Red Riding Hood re- yeah. redone. Yeah, and it's just like it, it's it, it's it has a very magical feel to it. But I appreciated it. Um, but I appreciate it, and I know that there's been like a lot of like mixed reviews. Like there were some people where it's just like they they're not the biggest fans of it. In some ways, I get it, but then at the same time, I kind of like how they're mixing different subgenres together. Um, it, it, you know, it, it's a horror, but it also has like black humor in it. You know, um, it's really violent. It's pretty vulgar and but it's like realistic you know so it's it's a lot of fun visually also it's like a really like gorgeous looking movie and then just the last thing because you know what you and john inspired me last week to watch or just to bring up the fact like a third movie so i just rewatched valentine from 2001 mm-hmm. on amazon just because you know valentine's day and- yeah i freaked out a little bit i looked up to see if it was streaming on amazon because i don't think i've seen it since i saw it in the theaters and i really no? need to rewatch it yeah you, you should you should you know i was like this is the 20 it just celebrated its 20th anniversary too yeah isn't that crazy mm. like <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so uh this one is about just five women who stalk by this unknown mysterious person while they're preparing for valentine's day and you know it's just a fun cheesy slasher i really love it um, if you love, you know, late 90s, early 2000 throwback type of like slasher movies, um, you know, you may want to check this out. And then also because of this movie, obviously I love chocolate. Chocolate's my life. But because of this movie, like with, you know, the boxes, like boxes and of cheese and honey. I just want to throw oh, that out there. That too. But, you know, chocolate. You know, Pepsi. All the things. All things. But uh, I because of this movie, I can never just bite into chocolate now. I have to break it first, because, <laughs> you know, it, it honestly, ever since this movie, it's, it's just been, I don't need maggots in my life. Like it just, it was gross. It was disgusting. N- none yeah. of us do. None of us. I mean, there could be someone, I mean, some people, they eat like chocolate covered, like snails and I don't Chocolate covered snails. <laughs> I don't know. People eat chocolate. Way deep on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They sell like chocolate covered snails or chocolate covered um. What are those things called? Uh, I'm t- crickets. Thank you, I crickets. Have... Ew. I've had those. I've had cricket tacos before, but <laughs> I've never even heard of chocolate covered snails. 
Okay, maybe I, I just made it up. I don't know. <laughs> I'm Googling <No>. it. <laughs> Afterwards, not now. Okay. But no, that's that's pretty much what I watched. Um, you know, it is like a silly movie and um I think it still holds up. You know, it, even back then it kind of felt again like it's like a throwback slasher. It still works for me. So what about you, Megan? I watched Rituals. I watched it on YouTube. It was uh when exactly it's released a little murky. It's it's listed on IMDb as 1977, but I think it might have been made in 1976 and then held on the shelf for a couple of years. So we're just going to hmm. stick with what IMDb says. Um, it is about five doctors who decide to decompress from the stresses of their life by going on a wilderness outing. Um, a plane drops them off. It's so remote. And they are supposed to go hiking up to like a dam and beyond. And then the plane will pick them up at a, at a special meeting point days after. Um, but they find themselves stricken with all sorts of issues. Uh, not least of all a crazed person stalking them. Mm. Um, it is a Canadian survival thriller that stars the late Hal Holbrook, uh, which is why I revisited this because he oh. passed and I wanted something more than just um, the John Carpenter roles he's known for, which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is not to diminish them in any way. I love them. I just kind of wanted to watch something that put him on, you know, because 95 years. He he acted, his acting career was 66 years, almost yeah. seven decades long. So this was a starring role for him. Um, and it's very much like Deliverance in many ways. In fact, like right down to the plot setup, to some of their early male bonding scenes around the campfire and happier times. But then they couldn't be any more different. I think, um, I don't know if either of you have seen Deliverance. No, I don't no. think I have. Oh, yeah. That's a different kind of horror. Yeah, it's a different kind of backwards horror, but... I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how you feel, John, but Deliverance to me doesn't quite have a very satisfying conclusion. Like once you get to a certain point, then you're just kind of following them going up river, grappling emotionally with with the ramifications of what's happened. And that's it. There, there's not really any action to it. There is some weight behind it, but it, it's kind of an unsatisfying conclusion to everything that came before it, you know? And this rituals yeah, is it's difficult. It's diff yeah. So rituals just becomes more and more action based. I feel like Hal Holbrook he starts as this philosophical neurosurgeon, and he, but you slowly find out more about these people as they start dying one by one um, in different ways. But he was a Korean War vet, and that starts to kick in gear as a survival. Like he goes a little bit Rambo mode and. And it starts to turn more into a flat out genre. It, it reminds me of a slasher, basically, by the end of it. So um, it's underseen because, you know, this was a Canadian made movie. Um, they had some kind of crazy distribution plan where they held on to it for a while. And then when it did release years af- a couple years after it was made, it tanked and then it just slipped through the cracks from there. But Aww. it's really good. Uh, I liked it a lot. I think that this is kind of a more satisfying genre-y version of Deliverance. Not that Deliverance isn't great for, for its own reasons, but yeah, I liked Rituals a lot. And then like Xena, I went with the whole Valentine's theme, uh, My Bloody Valentine, which is on Prime. 
that came out in 1981, and it is celebrating its 40th anniversary this week. So that one is, if you don't know, which, you know, maybe you don't, but it is one of the more classic slashers to emerge from the slasher era. Um, It follows a decades-old folktale surrounding a deranged murderer killing those who celebrate Valentine's Day. And it turns out to be true to legend when a group defies the killer's order to not celebrate Valentine's Day, and then they start turning up dead. So, yeah, it's turning 40. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like this one for so many reasons uh you know this this is the slasher that notoriously got cut for all the gore you know Mm -hmm. so they could get by with an r rating so i think scream factory recently did put out a gore cut maybe it was last year and then i think they just put out a like special edition steelbook that you can get and you know the second disc has the gore reinstated but it's one of those slashers that's get it gets by without that you know for years all we had was the this normal theatrical cut without the gore and it still works. And I think it does because of this town, mm-hmm. Valentine's bluff. It just feels so very lived in. Um, and you know, the ballad of Harry Warden is a pretty awesome ballad too. So yeah. Blue collar worker set slasher. It's a classic. I mean, be, because Xena got the, the early two thousand slasher vibe going and that around the same time, my bloody Valentine 3d came out. How do you feel? How did you feel about the remake? I know normally we don't talk about movies we didn't specifically watch. I, I'm just curious. I like the remake. I mean, if we're comparing them, then yeah, it's the weaker of the two. But I think that My Bloody Valentine 3D was, I think it's the best horror movie that I can think of in that modern 3D era to actually make use of the 3D. Mm-hmm. I saw this in theaters and- uh, Me too. And that 3D was great. I thought mm-hmm. it was the, it's the only one I can think of where the 3D actually made sense and they utilized it in the best possible way. So that alone, it's great. The kills are great. I don't think the setting is as effective um, mm-hmm. because, like I said, what it didn't makes... have that same feel. Yeah. Like you, you can get a coal mine town, but it's got a, it's the... a very specific feel. Yeah. Valentine's Bluffs in the 1981 film has a personality and and that's what keeps this so interesting is it's fine that you know it takes a while to get to the kills and then i think the last 30 minutes is literally like a slasher within a slasher because it's all set in the mines but there's no real personality or vibe to the to the remake as far as that goes but tom atkins gets to be you know the sheriff and Mm -hmm. i love him and i think there's a lot of great stuff that it does well but i mean it's not you know, a four-star movie, but it's enjoyable for what it is, but it, it doesn't, you know, reach the heights of the original, which is what I think, but I don't know how you guys feel about. No, I, I, I agree with you. Like you and John, I did see the 2009 version in theaters as well, and I didn't mind it, but there's just something about the original one, like you said, that you can actually feel the town. Um, yeah. The town in, in the remake, it just felt very generic, and then even with the characters, mm-hmm. I really didn't feel attached to them. So. No, they made some of them awful. Like Axel yeah. is, uh, he just, somebody smack him hard. <laughs> He's just a yeah, jerk. Yeah, they, they, fo- they focused more on, I felt like more on trying to manufacture tension in the remake mm. than to focus on what they just could have done with the setting itself. Yeah. I mean, because coal, coal mining towns, I mean, nothing against people who live in coal mining towns or from coal mining towns, but 
there's a very specific feel and a lot of it's very bleak because it's a very difficult life and there's very high rates of poverty and and unemployment and opioid addiction and everything else that you could totally go after in a horror movie. Granted, this is a reboot, a remake slasher, but it doesn't mean that you can't make it feel a little bit stronger, especially when the setting is so crucial to what they're doing. Right. What did you watch, John? Well, listeners know two of the things that I watched because I am sticking with this vibe. So first up, Megan's pick, 2019 Sweetheart on Netflix. When Jen washes ashore a tropical island, it doesn't take her long to realize she's completely alone. She must spend her days not only surviving the elements, but also fend off the malevolent force that comes out each night. All right, IMDb didn't do a great job in that explanation because that's only... That, I mean, that's kind of the gist. Woman washes on shore after a boat accident that you don't really know any details about. There was a storm and it capsized and she washes ashore. She's alone except for someone who's dying because he, no spoilers, it's within the first minute, he has a piece of coral stuck in him. Hmm. Besides the fact that she pulls the coral out of him almost immediately, Jen is a very smart protagonist. Like, she's surviving. She immediately is like, I got to find water. She finds a coconut and crushes it open and, like, looks for shelter and and everything else. And there's a scene where she's spearfishing and she actually catches one and she cheers to herself when she gets it. And it's like, it's this one little moment of levity in an otherwise movie that doesn't have, like, any whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But, like, it hits really well. Like, it's a necessary tension breaker. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't have watched this normally. I probably would have just watched it for like the first 10 minutes or so and been like, eh, it's fine. Um, But the commitment pays off because I also, but I do really like, I do like the commitment to the story in that there is so, almost no dialogue for like the first half hour. Mm -hmm. It's just her living. She's alone. There is no Wilson the volleyball to talk to. She's just quiet trying to survive and figure out what's going on and then this thing appears and she has to deal with that so the only thing i didn't necessarily like about this movie is i just i didn't like the other characters that show up you're not supposed to (laughs) i know you're not supposed to but like it's so there were several times like they started having these arguments and i'm like is this really the time and the place to be arguing about this Like, who, like, it was just, it was really strange. And, like, the, there was a lot of stuff that got alluded to in it. Like, there's blood on this knife. What happened? And, like, the, like they, they touch on all sorts of things that either, you could either view as, oh, that's a cool little detail that we don't get to find out about because we just don't get to know. And then it just, it creates questions in your own head for enjoyment. Or it's frustrating. Like, well, why did you, don't do that to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> tell me what happened. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I did enjoy it. I, I thought I thought it was pretty entertaining, all things considered. For for a for a deserted island, like monster movie, yeah, we, I thought it was a I thought it was a pretty good job. Same. Like I I I liked it. I love this movie so much. Um, this the creature design was by Neville Page. I don't know if anybody was a fan of sci-fi's uh, Face Off TV show. He oh, was yeah, one of yeah. the r- regular judges. How awesome! Yeah. Um, but that flare shot. I'm not going to elaborate oh, on it, but that yeah. flare yeah. shot is, I still like swoon. Like cry. It's so, so good. Uh, but yeah. I, I like that it's a super, super simple story. It's a super straightforward mm-hmm. survival slash creature feature. Also aquatic. 
throw that yeah, on the list. I, I saved go. it. I, I didn't list it because I knew you were talking about it. But um, sure. But there's subtext. The things that they don't tell you, they give you enough to piece it together, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much important to the story of her survival, but it's more important to her background and the name of the film. You know, she is mm-hmm. the sweetheart. She's used to not being believed. And I do remember yeah. the director, writer, J.D. Dillard, had said um, at a Q&A for this at some point that he wrote this for his sister. You know, this is about her or for her, essentially. And I, I like that, too. So, That's But so I also cool. get it that... For some, it's probably going to be too slow because it is devoid of dialogue for for long stretches, and it is a very simple story when all is said is done. But man, she's awesome, and I would argue that it wasn't dumb of her to pull the coral because she gave him a swifter ending in the in the long run. He was uh, going to die yeah. miserable. That that's that's true. I mean, if you want to look at it, that if that was the point, if that was the reason for her action, I mean, it was probably pure <laughs> panic. But you know, in the long run, there yeah. there was nothing she could have done to save him anyway. No. And again, this yeah. is not a spoiler. This is literally the first minute of the movie. That's what I thought yeah, too. I, like I thought that she that she panicked when when she did that because you know, yeah, that was yeah. I, I didn't think that was the smartest thing as well. But it was just like I thought it was a panic thing. But I do agree with you, John, with those two characters. Uh, well, Lucas and Mia. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, those are two other characters. Oh, they worked my nerves. They aggravated yeah. my soul so bad. Where it's just like, how can you not believe her? And like, okay, but yeah, I'm glad that you enjoyed. Well, not the even that. <laughs> But just like immediately dismiss her. Yeah, like, like you guys, you guys have already been doing some some stuff that we don't know about. Like, let's not dismiss her. Yeah, but, but that's but they kind also... of dig into that about her background, her part of her backstory that she yeah. is doesn't have. She's kind of rudderless. It's also not very far fetched. That's the thing. Is this... no people are. People it's in the world not... are shitty, and they would react shitty to even their friends yeah. in a in yeah. a bad situation. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good pick. Thank you. Yay. Nice. And then Xena's pick, which kind of also falls into aquatic horror, just a little bit. Just a little bit. In a weird way. 2015's Bite, which I watched on Tubi. While on her bachelorette party getaway, Casey, the bride-to-be, gets a seemingly harmless bite from an unknown insect. After the trip, Casey discovers that everything can change with a single bite. So, Zena. Yes, John, tell us. Just rip the Band-Aid off. <laughs> this is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so there's two scenes that utterly destroyed me <laughs> watching it. <laughs> and they're not scenes that will probably destroy anyone but me, but I have tryptophobia. Yeah. So there's a scene where her shoulder is changing. Yeah. And it's got holes, and her hand has holes. And I want to burn them with fire. <laughs> like, I, oh, looking at it, I see it in my head right now. And I want to just, like, destroy that memory. <laughs> now, that said, the story itself, super simple. Characters, 
pretty much unlikable across the board for me. <laughs> um, which wasn't isn't necessary, but it's fine if there's tension. Mm -hmm. it, it just kind of layers on like, holy crap, what? Who are you people? I mean, maybe I, maybe I'm just sheltered in the fact that I don't have a ton of friends, so I get to be happy with the small group of friends that I have, as opposed to horrible, horrible friends. So the bookends of the movie weren't very strong for me. They just weren't. They were a vehicle to get to the meat of it, which is the body horror. Mm -hmm. And the body horror in this is fantastic. It's amazing. The design, the cinematography, the atmospheres that cre that that's created within her apartment once these transformations are happening. Mm -hmm. Just these like beautifully shot and lit scenes of her wearing a hoodie, but like transforming into this new thing. Like if if this is like in any way like an homage to like the fly, or I I, I guess I don't know who did the, the creature effects for this, but they were outstanding. I loved them as much as I have a difficult time with, or I don't enjoy watching body horror as much. I absolutely respect how good this was. Like it was, if you like body horror, watch bite. If you don't like body horror, but want to <laughs> see good body horror, watch bite. Like it, it really did impress me. Like at first I was just like, oh, okay, this is, it's a little mucusy. What's going on here? <laughs> and then it goes to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly, I didn't think I'd be impressed watching body horror as much as I'd be like, all right, I'm going to get through this. But I was like to the point where I, that was my favorite part that I would much rather watch like the middle 45 minutes. It's only like an 80 minute long movie too. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty short. short. Um, I'd, I'd rather watch that in the middle, the, the whole transformation. And like I said, it's just amazingly beautifully shot, but I, I I want to hear you talk about it instead of me just. <laughs> well, I'm, <laughs> what do you, what do you... I'm really surprised, but I'm really happy that that you liked it. I was ready to fight you if you said that you <laughs> did not, that you didn't like it. But no, like seriously, it, it makes me happy that you do because you know what? This was actually one of my favorite movies, favorite independent movies from 2015. I really just mm. I loved it because it was like I I blindly watched it. I I don't re recall seeing any of the actors before, and you know. Like you, you know, sometimes you just put on a movie just for the background. And I, I literally yep. felt my eyes were just glued to the screen. I could not look away. <laughs> and I mean, I agree with you on the characters, but honestly, I liked Casey at first, you know? At first. Liked, yeah, at, at first, you know? I felt bad for her because, you know, as, as a woman, you know, she was about to get married and she doesn't get along with the mother-in-law too much. And it's just like, then she's dealing with so much, a lot of stress. And then, oh my gosh, what is this bite? There's holes in your body, gross, you know, this mucus and stuff. But yeah, it really did surprise me. Um, I love how it, it's just like, I don't get to watch like a lot. Around that time, I didn't watch like a lot of monster type of movies a lot. And so for me, that was just one that I try my best always to recommend to people. Kind of like what you said, if, if someone doesn't like body horror, I still recommend it just because you can cover your eyes, but you'll have a good time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the fly is a more difficult body horror for me to watch than bite because mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. It's something about the creature design, especially during the metamorphosis. Maybe it's all the additional boils and things. But generally speaking, the body horror itself wasn't as 
jarring as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like it, to me, it just seemed really artistic. Okay, cool. Like it was really well lit. It seemed really well thought out. And yeah, no, I I was really impressed by it. Nice. Well, nice. Yay. Oh my God. I thought, huh. I literally. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I was scared when Megan reacted to your choice <laughs> yeah. last week. I was like, oh, shit. No, what did she do? No. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. I'm surprised so, between the body horror and, and the tryptophobia or whatever. Oh, that was tough. Um, <laughs> it wasn't easy. But, <laughs> but hey. you know, the, the, all the eggs were easier to look at than the holes. Yeah. The holes just. She oh, is pushing you out of your comfort zone and yeah. it's working. Sure is. Um, and I, and I basically ended up sticking with body horror because I still had my Amazon monsters and nightmares trial subscription and on it is 2008 splinter Yeah. trapped in an isolated gas station by a voracious splinter parasite that transforms its still living victims into deadly hosts. A young couple and an escaped convict must find their way to work together to survive this primal terror. All right. I think I saw this on a list back in. I want to say like 2009, 2010, something like that of like, uh, like, like little known horror movies you have to watch. And we rented on like, we got like a Netflix disc or something. Holy crap. This is such a good movie. Not only that, but it stars Shea Wiggum, who I love in everything he's in. Um, If you've seen like uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, he's the sheriff brother. He's in Kong Skull Island. He's mm-hmm. in lots of stuff. Like Joker. he's like Yeah, yeah, he's in Joker. Like him, like him and Michael Shannon are two actors I can watch in just about anything. Like there's just something about their style. And and this is one of his better performances too. I think he nails the convict role. Plus the other two actors you will recognize too. Um one is was a co-host in Wipeout, Jill um I remember her <laughs> last name. Wagner. And the, yeah, Wagner. And then the other um uh the other male lead was also in Road Trip. He played the uh the really smart pothead. <laughs> I was I like, wait a second, I know I know everyone in this. <laughs> but it's it's body horror, but it was clearly like pretty low budget because it well, it was either low budget or it was very strategic in its camera work because you don't you don't really see the thing that much. You know, like you see like the hand (laughs) Mm -hmm. when the hand stuff happens and there is like some pretty brutal body horror, like broken, like breaking bones and and things like that. But it doesn't like, but it's like, it gives you like more the idea of what the thing is instead of just being like confronted with it. And it's very, it's um, just very frenetic paced and like it, it basically they're trapped in a gas station. It's like a, I mean they start in the forest and they end up in a gas station. Like it's very small, um, enclosed, like set type, whatever. It just go watch it. <laughs> go watch it. <laughs> if you're looking, if you're looking for like a zombie esque or slightly body horror, but honestly, like, again, this guy who's not a huge fan of body horror and wouldn't necessarily pick it. I voluntarily wanted to watch this again. It's good. Um, it is. Yeah. It's just a good survival horror. Like, and it's, good acting like they're not stupid characters Mm -hmm. like the like there really is no manufactured tension beyond like the moment of someone panicking Mm -hmm. and being like what the hell am i supposed to do i mean there's some weird choices where you're like i don't know how you got to that conclusion but not so much that you know it detracts because it progresses the plot forward and no but splinter is 
definitely a dark horse pick. If people haven't heard of it, it's a super high recommend for me. And, you know, I really love, like, the dynamic, like, the couple dynamic between Polly Mm -hmm. and Seth, like, the leading couple, because Polly is so strong. Like, she's an independent woman, you know, and I... She's a firecracker. Yeah, and I I loved seeing that. And it it wasn't, like, a big deal. It wasn't like she was, like, Mm -hmm. putting her boyfriend down or anything. That was just their relationship, so... Well, she just took control of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had nothing to do with like her like emasculating. Right, him. right. She just she made choices when he didn't know what mm-hmm. to do, or when he didn't step up, or or for, and it, it never felt well. And that was the thing is it never felt like it never felt like she was sitting in the back seat to him. Right. Like like he was driving and like oh I'll pick up the slack when I need to. Mm-hmm. Like she's just a strong character. Right. Like and more often than not she was the one like. Oh my God! Why can't you do this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I get it. You're going for your tire. doctorate, but it was just yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. High recommend. Love them. So, before we get into the next part, what do we watch and how do we watch it? So, I watch Skeleton Key on Amazon, Hunted on Shutter, and Valentine on Valent Valentine on Valentine, <laughs> <laughs> um, and Valentine on Amazon. I watched Rituals on YouTube and My Bloody Valentine on Prime Video. And I watched Sweetheart on Netflix, Bite on Tubi, and Splinter on Amazon's Monster Nightmare subscription. High recommends on all of them, actually. So now that you guys have set a really high bar for yourself, you guys have to decide what you're going to have me watch next week. Because there's a lot of stuff available in streaming right now that I could be re-watching, so I need new stuff to watch. (laughs) So, Megan, what am I going to watch? Fragile on Prime. Or on Voodoo. Uh, Matthew McConaughey? No, that's Frailty. This is a 2005 movie from yeah. uh, one of the directors uh, behind Wreck. It is a haunted hospital tale. Ooh. Nice. Ooh, I like haunted hospitals. Please Me too. Some creepy stuff. Creepy stuff yeah. in this Oh, Gonjium is one of my favorite found footage. Yeah, this Go is not found awesome. footage, though, so. Ah! Bite started as phone footage. It confused the hell out of me, too. I'm like, wait, did Xena give me a phone footage movie to watch? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Xena, what am I watching? Okay, so I do have a backup just in case if you did check out this one. Uh, but I'm okay. going to recommend this week Excision from 2012. Excision? I don't even think I've heard of it. Okay, cool. Wow. Excision from 2012. Do you know how, where it's available? It's on Tubi. It's also on Amazon as well. So awesome. So fragile 2005, excision 2012. Yes. Awesome. All right. Can't wait. This will keep me from watching all the Saw movies that are now available on HBO. <laughs> you will probably find a way anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on it. I'll, I'll get there. Yeah. All right. And of what we've been watching this week and what I'll be watching next week, it's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, Megan, what's going on? There is a new futuristic sci-fi western take on Dracula in the works for Universal. Ooh. Yeah, but you never thought those three words would be strung together for Dracula. Uh, Chloe Zhao, who directed Nomadland, which is making award season buzz right now, will be writing and directing a new take on Dracula for Universal described as, as I said, an original futurist, futuristic sci-fi 
Western. <laughs> this continues Universal's post-Dark Universe initiative to hire fresh filmmakers to put their own unique spins on the st their stable of classic monsters. So I guess uh, we are now looking at Lee Wanell's Invisible Man as kind of the launch point of this new kind mm. of re 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 blah, 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 blah. Re-envisioning or reimagining the classic monsters. So, um, Universal Pictures president Peter Kramer said in a statement, "Chloe's singular lens shines a light on stories of the overlooked and misunderstood. We are thrilled to be working with her as she reimagines one of the most iconic outsider characters ever created." Um, I'm and Zhao in this in a statement of her own said I've always been fascinated by vampires and the concept of the other they embody I'm very excited to work with Donna Peter and the team at Universal to reimagine such a beloved character so that's about all we know uh other than three of the th words that I never would have expected to be crammed together <laughs> for a Dracula um but that also means that we are getting a whole lot of Dracula on the way because we had previously talked about Karen Kusama developing a take on Dracula for Blumhouse. Uh, mm -hmm. Universal doesn't appear to be attached to that one. And then uh, I think it was a week or two ago that An Andre Ovdahl, the troll hunter and Autopsy of Jane Doe director, he's directing The Last Voyage of the Demeter for Amblin Partners. And that is based on a single chapter, The Captain's Log, from Bram Stoker's novel. So... You've got one that's going to be set on a ship. So I'm excited for that one because that sounds like that could be Dracula slash aquatic horror. Then mm -hmm. you've got probably a more classical take, I'm assuming. I don't want to make full on assumptions because I'm not sure what she plans to do. It's Karen Kasama. She'll give it a spin. That'll probably be great. <laughs> but yeah, I am always pumped when horror kind of merges anything with Western. So yeah. futuristic sci-fi Western is such an anomaly and I am instantly hooked already. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on, on those, that combination or Dracula itself. I mean, it's a character I feel like that's been done more than any of the other universal classic monsters, that's which true. means that that could get repetitive over time. But not only are we getting a whole lot more Dracula, none of them sounds like they're going to be complete repeats of what yeah. 1931 brought to the table. I wonder if it's going to be kind of similar to like Westworld, you know, kind of like that type of world. Mm -hmm. That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Do you like Dracula? Anybody, anybody answer. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that I honestly, I wish that there was more Western horror. I was thinking about this years ago. I was playing with a, um, a book idea that was kind of, western horror and then i was like i don't think anybody reads those so i'm not going to spend a lot of time writing something Aww. that people might not read in the first place and then hurt myself but for the genre but i think there was a i'm gonna have to talk to you guys about this after we record because it'll take me way too long to look it up but there was like an australian western um that was out maybe 10 years ago or so that felt like a, it had, had a very like dark vibe to it and it, it just really felt like god you know i the old west is isolation the towns are so far apart to like you don't know what's going on anyway there's no information to suddenly you don't have any experts who suddenly know what's going on like it seems like the perfect environment for horror it just doesn't really exist you mm -hmm. know like you know, a lot in the same way that aquatic like underwater is horror <laughs> Oh, yeah. But the audience isn't necessarily there. So, like, as much as it seems like it's peanut butter and chocolate, you just don't see it very much. 
Yeah, I mean, not often, but there is a very niche. And it seems to be more, um, I don't know if there's like a trend coming, but we had the wind not that long ago. Was that last year or maybe it was 2019? The kind of Wild West um, ghostly thing that... Yeah, 18, 2019, 2018? 20, yeah, 2018 or 2019. And then uh, Pale Door, yeah. the vampire or witches, or I guess they were witches. witches. <laughs> yeah, and then... I don't know if it'll come to pass, but Issa Lopez, you know, Tigers Are Not Afraid, talked about doing mm-hmm. a werewolf western with Guillermo del Toro. And then if you have this one, you know, go ahead and put Creature Dusk in Black Lagoon in a, three. in a western. <laughs> do do all of them in a western. It's cool. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I am hooked. My, I'm, I'm, my curiosity is peaked already. And then uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Old dropped an intriguing first-look trailer during the Super Bowl. So two brand-new thrillers are on the way from M. Night Shyamalan and Universal. The first one that will be released is titled Old, and we got our first glimpse of what's in store with a teaser that aired during the Super Bowl. Um, Old is about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they're relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. It has a pretty impressive cast that stars uh, Gail Garcia Bernal, Rufus Sewell, Abby Lee, Alex Wolfe, M. Beth Davis, Eliza Scanlon, and more. It's directed and produced by M. Night Shyamalan from his screenplay based on the graphic novel Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. So, yeah, I don't know. Did you, either of you watch the trailer yet or no? I have. And I, I just find myself screaming, just tell us the twist. You know, I just need to know. <laughs> but it, it like, looks really good. You know, it is based on a graphic novel, so that might have some answers. I did. I haven't read the graphic novel. I did kind of look it up a little bit on Goodreads, and there were some interesting descriptions that mm. do not have me convinced that he's doing a straightforward adaptation because Lars von Trier was thrown out in in a review descriptor for for this graphic novel, and I don't see him taking a Lars von Trier approach. Um, but it is you can watch the trailer if you haven't seen it. It's on Bloody Disgusting, and I do want to throw out that it ends with an only in theaters announcement. Which is very frustrating for people, but I want to throw out the reminder that uh, Universal is one of the studios that has a deal where they can release theatrical films to VOD about three weeks after. So it might say, you know, theaters only July 23rd, 2021. But if you just, you know, be patient a little longer, it should pop up on VOD. Uh, They just don't want to advertise that per se. But um, I'm, I'm pretty curious. I do think that the beach being an aging like that's the setting for the aging is possibly on the nose because that sounds like a metaphor you know the the sands of time or the sands in an hourglass and so i don't know but again with that cast and that kind of odd concept um i'm i'm kind of sold already same same and you know i thought it was pretty cool cuz I, I i know that m night shyamalan i know he has daughters and one of his daughters worked on the set, and I thought that was just really cool. Look at her working with her dad. Aw. She directed uh, an episode or two of Servant season two, Whoa. so she she's making she's making a name for herself, for her. which is awesome. And then uh, Megan is missing. Director Michael Goy is turning the elevator game into a movie. He also directed American Horror Story, so uh, or some some episodes of of the series. But yeah, I just think it's 
great timing that Megan is missing goes viral and now he's he's getting an, an interesting project. So London-based sales firm AMP Internationals, they joined forces with new LA-based genre startup Fearworks on the horror elevator game, which is Michael Goy attached to direct and Travis Cipolla wrote the script. It's a supernatural horror movie based on an online phenomenon that will follow Dale, a socially awkward teenager who discovers that the night his sister disappeared, she had just played the elevator game. The ritual is conducted in an elevator in which players attempt to travel to another dimension using a set of rules that can be found online. Ignoring the many warnings, Dale resolves to follow and find her, but he discovers the warnings are there for a reason, and the woman on the fifth floor is not what she seems. Yeah, that's a part of the rules. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to talk to her. Well, see, see, most of us do not know this game. And yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to this in a second. I knew you would know. Uh, you're, you're, you're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But yeah, the cult online game uh, found often, you can find more about this on Reddit and YouTube, YouTube, is first thought to emerge in Korea, but has gained traction in other countries where some have speculated a connection with the mysterious disappearance, with, I guess, various mysterious disappearances and deaths, including that of student Elisa Lam in the Cecil Hotel in 2013. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this was the first instance of it popping up in movies, but there's like a, a Korean anthology uh, that was released in 2013 called Horror Stories 2, and one of the segments is heavily based on this. So director Goy Go- said, what Psycho did for showers, the elevator game will do for lifts. I want the audience to be taking the stairs after they see this film. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about what John already knows. I had to look this up because I'm not familiar with the elevator game, Same. and this sounds like absolute bananas. There are very distinct rules, and this sounds like a Oh yeah. Hassle for anybody to want to play. Enter the elevator alone or with your friends, but nobody else. Don't get out on any of the floors. If any outsiders get on the elevator, you have to start over. Then you so that's step one. Step two, go to the fourth floor. Then go to the second floor. Then go to the sixth floor. Then the second floor. Then the tenth floor. Then the fifth floor. When you reach the fifth floor, it's then that people report encountering a young woman. You're instructed not to look at her or interact with her. She may or may not try talking to you, asking for help, or antagonizing you. Press the button for the first floor. Two things might happen. And it goes on and on. And apparently there's even a whole set of rules for when you want to return. I don't John, you're the expert. Whoa. Yep. <laughs> Explain. No, you I mean you did a pretty good job describing it. I mean, I did the I did narrate the rules to this back in 2017 on Creepy. Okay. So if anyone wants to just hear it, you can go back and listen to my episode. I think it was in October 2017 um, during the 31 Days of Horror. Uh, so, yeah, the gist of it is, yeah, you do those rules and one either, either it will return you to the lobby and you should just leave. Or it'll take you, I think, back to the 10th floor and, like, that's the alternate dimension. But then, like, once you're there... Everything will look the same, and then you'll realize it's not because you're alone, and the only way to get back is to do a very specific pattern to get back to the real world. So, yeah, this has become kind of an internet phenomenon. It's gotten more traction lately. Um, there's a newer movie out called Followed that uses this. Ah. Um, and it's I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's available on Amazon right now. It's about a vid- uh, like a, a vlogger, really a crappy character, just a jackass who goes to yeah. I think they I think he calls it the Lennox Hotel, but it's obviously supposed to be the Cecil Hotel where Elisa Lamb disappeared. 
if anyone's if you haven't heard of the Cecil Hotel or Elisa Lamb, you can look up any true crime podcast. I'm sure at some point they've talked about it. Um, but there's video footage of mm-hmm. Elisa Lamb, like going into an ele- elevator. She's clearly like confused and scared, mm. like hiding around a corner, peeking out, going back in, and then she disappeared. But not only did she disappear, she woke up in the water tank on the roof, the locked water tank mm-hmm. on the roof. Nobody can figure any of this stuff out. Some people are attributing the elevator game to it. There's been all kinds of adaptations for people coming up with theories about what actually happened to her. That said, I hope they don't talk about her. Because, this doesn't sound like, like they are, though. This sounds like a completely. I hope, I, yeah, I hope they just stick purely to the elevator game because they even they don't say Elisa Lamb like in Follow. They use a different character name, but it's clear that they're talking yeah. about her. Um, and I don't like again. I don't like people using real life tragedy in fiction when you right. don't know what the answer is and you just make it up. That's that. To me, it feels very insulting to a woman who lost her life. Yeah. Who may have been featuring or having some sort of a psychotic episode or, frankly, killed mm-hmm. right. by somebody. Like, don't right. make that a point in your movie. Stick to the elevator game. You can make it plenty weird Yeah. <laughs> just by doing that. You can totally go no-end house with that, like with uh, um, uh, Channel Zero, like you end up in your other dimension. Cool. Play around yeah. with that. You can make it plenty scary. Um, is my hope. But yeah, the elevator game was very popular when it first started popping up in the early 2010s. And then it kind of faded out. And now with the rise in true crime and haunted houses and stuff like that, and the Elisa Lamb footage and the, the supposed deaths attributed to the Cecil Hotel, it's getting traction again. So I got nothing wrong with it because they're bringing creepypastas into the mainstream. Yeah. I'm more curious about what Michael Goy does with it. Because that, again, he did Megan is Missing. Right. He wrote and directed <laughs> Megan is Missing. What in the hell is this going to be? <laughs> what is this but he did be? not write this one. He did not write this script. So who knows? I imagine for a mainstream audience, it will not be quite as uh, visceral in, in that regard. Oh, I yeah. hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, again, I've I've never heard of this game. But you know what? I think that we should try it as a group. Whenever we get a chance, we need to do it. How's about I sit in the lobby and wait for you? No, Megan, we're a team. <laughs> well, if we ever you... do a, if we ever end up doing a live show in a hotel that has at least ten floors. Yes. Oh boy. I like Planet Earth. <laughs> All right, <laughs> slam the door on that one. All right, listeners, it's your turn. You excited for more Western horror? You want M Night Shyamalan to just tell us what the twist is and get it over with? Let's hear about it. Number is 224-475-1040. The number is also in the show notes. Last week, I may have noted a lack of calls, and we got more than we had time to cover. For that, thank you. We'll do our best to get to the other questions in future episodes. And if phones aren't your jam, don't worry. If you want to call us and have your, or if you don't want to call us and have your voice on the air or international rates are messing with you, feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com or keep an eye on our social media accounts for chances to ask questions. Finally, Zena's going to tell us what we should be watching this week. So what's going on? So on Tuesday, Freaky will be available on DVD. So this is a comedy horror of the 17-year-old girl who swaps bodies with a serial killer. A lot of fun. 
Also coming out on Tuesday, <laughs> we have Sacrifice. It'll be available on VOD. A New Yorker and his pregnant wife return to the Norwegian village of his birth to claim an unexpected inheritance. They soon find themselves in a living nightmare when they encounter a sinister cult that worships a sea-dwelling sea dwelling immortals. Also, coming out on Tuesday, just the last one, Sator. It will be available on VOD. 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 <laughs> what was that? All day. I, okay. I love it, though. VOD. I want that to catch on. We should start. Okay, no. All right. Sator will be available on VOD. Secluded in, secluded in a destroyed forest, a broken family is observed by a demon Sator who's attempting to claim them. Then on Friday, St. Maud will be available only on Epics at 8 p.m. Eastern. A24 says this one is a chilling and boldly original vision of faith, madness, and salvation in a fallen world. Also coming out on Friday, Into the Dark Tentacles on Hulu, a couple falls head over heels into a new romance and intertwine their lives into until their intimacy transformed into something terrifying. And last, certainly not least, Willie's Wonderland will be available on VOD. Nicolas Cage is in a horror movie. Just watch it. Also, bloody disgusting <laughs> TV. And Possessor is available on Hulu for free. Oh. Go, go watch Possessor. Yes. Oh, I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> I just watched it. Okay. Yeah. Possessor. <laughs> Hulu. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Zena can be found on her, on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and YouTube channel of the same name, or at LovelyZena on Twitter. You can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.